What's up, Black Love fam and first time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man. I'm David Wazicki. Today, we got a brother whose story, when you hear it, it's truly unbelievable. Where he's gone, what he's been through, to where he's at and where he's going. He's a motivational speaker, a coach, a facilitator, an author. He's a co founder of Empowered Brotherhood out in Austin. He's also a husband, fellow girl dad. It's none other than my man, Garen. Jones. What's up, my brother? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? Thank you so much. Before we even get started, I just wanted to just acknowledge you for trusting your instinct to create a platform for stories like mine to have wings. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to send you so much love and honor you with acknowledgement. Absolutely. And what I've worked on is accepting those sort of acknowledgements. So I I am at a point where I can say on this mic, thank you genuinely, and I receive it and I accept that. So thank you, brother. Likewise. You are so welcome. I felt that. See, I got the tingle. I got the the goosebumps. (laughs) I felt it. I felt it. All right, my brother. So as we always do on this podcast, we hit you with the icebreaker question, get you blue check certified here around the man to man parts. It's one question I ask everybody to get the seal of approval. You ready? I am. All right. What does masculinity mean to you? What it means to me is the parts of you that desire structure, form, that desire direction, that desire powerful choices, the protector, the motivator, the guider, the leader, and all of those ingredients make up a specific frequency that every human on this planet has access to. Do they choose it? A lot of times, no, but you do have access to it. So it's the other half of the yin and the yang. So it's the yang when you have the light and the dark and together it literally makes a complete day. So the complete embodiment of you, one half of that is the masculine energy inside of you. So I, I look at it as a form of being able to see the skeletal system to your life's body of work. And that is the masculinity to me because it has the structure and the direction and the vision and all those things. So it's not the typical answer, but the way my brain processes things and energy, that's what masculinity means to me. No, it's beautiful. And I will say, as a side note, this question has never been answered the same (laughs) <laughs> and and it's so fun. And that's why I love bringing this question up because every single man that has graced our presence, it's like a snowflake. No two are alike. So I appreciate that. I thank you yeah. for that. I, it is very insightful. And I think with all of that, I mean, I told you off mic, I don't even know where to start <laughs> because there's just so <laughs> much packed into Garen Jones and the experience that is Garen Jones to this point. And only you and God know what's yet to come. But I'd love if you can just go back and touch on where you came from. I I think it's pretty important for folks to really understand while you're at where you're at. And if people don't know you and they've checked you out on social or they're familiar with you in other ways, whether it be coaching or the like, that they understand where this all was rooted from. I was born in Missouri City, Texas. I was raised in Missouri City, Texas. I was born in Third Ward, moved to Ridgegate, then Briargate. Those were bad neighborhoods at the time. And I was raised in Missouri City. 
And I was a very different child. So I I would wear long socks, wear what I wanted to wear. My hair was much lighter than it was. It was like blondish, brownish. Yeah, yeah. People like, you light skin, but you don't have light skin grade of hair. It's not soft. And it's like, so I, I didn't know where I fit in. I, I, I lived a life where I always felt out of place. Mm. And even sometimes where like I even wanted to apply myself I wanted to learn and study and people will say, why are you trying to be white? <laughs> this is what I grew up with. And I didn't understand what that was. So because I didn't want to be called out, I stopped studying. Mm. And so <laughs> mm. I thought it was like white means smart. Okay, well, cool. And I guess that's a bad thing. Right. But simultaneously, my mom, she comes from a generation in Texarkana, Texas, where everybody permed their hair. So <laughs> me having coarse hair, my mom made me feel like nappy hair was actually a bad thing. Like now I understand I got good hair. I got African in my family. Right, right. But back then I allowed her to perm my hair mm. and it was, I was mm. so confused and so mixed up. I didn't feel accepted in any social groups. The only people that wanted to hang out with me were the kids that got in trouble all the time. The gang members, people that ran the streets, people who sold drugs, people that broke into cars and houses. Mm. So by nature, I did what the five closest people that I hung around did. I never was in a gang, but I ran around and did gang things. Sure. I did tip doors, broke into houses, broke into cars, went in and out of juvenile, was tried as an adult when I was 14 years old for having 62 felonies because I broke into 62 cars in one night and one car is a felony. So adults are deteriorated children. So this is my childhood and I didn't learn any new lessons. So I just kept on doing what my childhood domestication was, which was getting in trouble and whatever the big kid version of stealing candy. Now <laughs> it's stealing candy, selling candy. Now it's selling drugs. Yeah. So I got into that life and I was really good at it. And I remember I said, mom, I want a pair of J's. I want some Michael Jordan's. She was like, $150? When you can make your own money, you can buy whatever you want. And that is one of the greatest things my mom could have ever said to me. I didn't know that it would turn into a wildly successful entrepreneur, but you tell that to a six-year-old, all of a sudden I started getting creative. I created a lemonade stand. I started washing, going door to door, washing people's cars. I started mowing lawns. If they would say no, I'd offer to wash their car. They say no, I'd offer to sell candy. She was like, you would not take no for an answer. Why? Because she said, when you make whatever you want, you can buy whatever you want. She didn't tell me how to make the money. Sure. <laughs> so I was great. Yeah, yeah. So I was breaking into concession stands and stealing candy, selling it at school. And I was just building my hustler's mentality. Mm -hmm. So doing what my, my core group was doing and having a hustler's mentality, you are destined, you are destined for trouble. You are destined for your life to not be prosperous and thriving. Right. And that's exactly what happened as I got older. So early 20s, I got busted for smuggling drugs from one country to another, 6.2 kilos of heroin, driving a luxury, stolen luxury vehicle from the UK over the ferry to Rotterdam. All this was was a little kid who just kept going with the only way he knew how to look at life. Right. So now, instead of being tried as an adult, now 
I'm staring down a 12-year sentence for getting busted for 6.2 kilos of heroin. Damn. Right? Yeah. That is when my life, I'm like, yo, what the F did I do? Yeah. Because at that time, I was about to be a VJ for MTV. (laughs) I was in billboards because I lived in New York at the time. All over New York. I was in all kind of music videos. I was in the Destiny Child Jumpin' Jumpin' videos. Joe Stutter remix video. The Chantel Impossible video. I had L'Oreal hair commercials going on. Tommy Hilfiger, Gap, Old Navy. I was everywhere. And because I never learned about integrity, Mm. it's make your own money. You can do whatever you you want. want. Yeah, yeah. I put all the money first before my own dignity, my own integrity. And I knew that what I was doing wrong, but I didn't, there was, I lacked direction in my life. So I just kept going and kept being greedy. Well, now I'm facing 12 years in a French prison during a time where the world hated George Bush or a portion of the world. Right. Yeah. So here I am in prison, like, yo, what did I do? I just had a newborn baby. I'm on billboards. Yeah. As we speak, and in magazines, you can look into Source Magazine, and I was in three different ad campaigns. They're like, why would he, this doesn't make right. this Right, right. How does this- Drugs. Yeah, in Rotterdam. I never had a sip of, still, <laughs> still to this day, I never had a sip of alcohol in my life, never did drugs. I was just doing whatever I needed to do to get money. So the stories didn't add up to all the people who knew me. They were like, no, this guy's a- clean cut kid who never gets in trouble. He's very nice. And right. but I had this dark side, Yeah, dark side, take down a different woman every single night, cheat on every girlfriend ever I had, like go to a party and steal the money from the purse room and come out with a big smile on my face. Like, like I'm really trying to protect the women. I had mm. no idea the damage I was actually causing because I was damaged on the inside mm. without a lack of clarity and guidance or mentorship in my life. So imagine 12 years, I get out in two and a half years, and then I go on a six and a half year journey going from couch to couch, to girl's house, to couch, Mm. to couch. I get a record deal with Ludacris, a DTP Def Jam. So just, it's my life was wild. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm on MTV, BET, singing at the American Music Awards, and I'm like charted as being one of this next hype that's on the underground, something happens, I get dropped from Def Jam, I leave DTP, I left DTP because it was a subsidiary of uh, Def Def Jam, Jam. I leave DTP, and that's when my last stitch effort to be in music, I won't say the name, but I was writing for a multi-platinum selling R&B artist in the studio, come up with a melody, come up with lyric. And I was like, this is my big break. I'm $200,000 in debt because I hadn't paid taxes in over 10 years. They can't get you past seven. Mm. I'm in the lowest point of my life. I'm living in my car at the time because there's no money coming in. Right. And I'm like, man, this is my big break. And then the management says, oh, they completely changed the song. And something, everything inside of me says, I feel like they're lying. The song comes out. While I'm in the lowest point of my life, it's the exact same song, same melody, same lyric, song goes number one, wins a Grammy, and I'm watching that happen while I'm living in my car. Damn. I said, F music, F music, F these 
crazy ass weirdos. I was like, I don't, people are like, well, you gotta pay your dues. I was like, I'm not paying these dues. I don't know about, I'll look at your favorite artists in music and then look at them five years later. Hmm. Something is happening inside of that system. Right, right. I left at the lowest point of my life and I said, F music. And I went on my solo journey of understanding and reading books and going to different seminars. And then November 2011 at 3.43 in the morning, that's when I had my moment of surrender. And I said, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people. I just want to inspire people. Mm. And I want to make a bunch of money but I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in that I would do for free to book in this. I was at a gas station a week later and a quote unquote homeless guy came up to me asking me for money. And I say, you have more money than me. And he said, change your mindset, change your life. The homeless guy. Yeah. It wasn't about the words. It was about the way the words made me feel. I had a conscious interrupt. And just like that movie, Sixth Sense, yeah. with a little boy doesn't know that he did the whole movie and then his whole life flashes before his eyes. Right, right. In that moment, my whole life, I was like, does that mean I've been lying to myself because of the way that I was thinking my whole life and my whole life flashed? And I said, is my life the way that it is because of the way that I've been thinking? Well, if I do different with the same circumstance in areas of my life where I, I'm not happy, my life will change? Well, it's been 11 years and I have completely flipped my, my life on the opposite ends of the way it was going, a speeding bullet going down. It's a speeding bullet going up and out. And I've been, been able to impact millions of people, have an independent book out that I put out independently called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. Hmm. It's sold, it almost sold 100,000 copies with no PR, no ad sales. It's just all genuine, authentic, great work put out to the world that people keep sharing been able to retire my mom, wow. multi-seven figures in two different companies, and now part of something that's going to be one of the biggest men's movements in the world called Empowered Brotherhood. And I'm just living my life in full prosperity and full expression because I know what it's like not to. Right. Well, firstly, thank you for sharing that journey because one, there's a lot in there. Two, there's a lot in there that most, and again, Putting this in perspective, no disrespect to anybody that has gone through this, but that would crumble or crack under that pressure. Was there something within all of this where, yes, it pushed you to the edge, it pushed you to the point of surrender? I think now you really understand the importance of surrendering as you see it now versus then, where it was just like, God, I give up. Like, I can't, like, I don't know what else to do. I can't do no more of this. This is it. But now, you, you know, yeah. now, now we can speak to surrender in a different way. But was it just that surrendering? Because what took you from the surrender where you said that's, and that's a powerful thing. So just, you know, I, I, I do want to put this surrender into perspective where it's not a weakness, where it's not a, yeah, I give up. It's a, it's an allowing that surrender is an allowing for something bigger than you to yeah. right to have that influence and to take shape so you have that moment i'm sure that's when that started to take shape was there anything in the midst of that that told you go to that seminar go read that book go down this that journey? night it was that night 
So, so that night, I remember crying and cursing and screaming inside of my car. I'm like, okay. And I'm just cursing at God. Mm. And, and I'm just, I'm at peak state. My eyes are mm. bloodshot red. Mm. And I'm just like, man, my mom is dying in the hospital. I'm $200,000 in debt. My daughter pretty much disowned me. My girlfriend is just broken up with me because I couldn't get my life together. I'm like, what's the point in living? Yeah. I already tried to take my life twice Damn. and I failed at that. Mm. So there was a moment where I was blaming. I was like blaming my skin colors because I'm black. Mm. I blame the news. I blame the weather. I blame the president of the United States. I blame my mom. My father was murdered when I was 12 years old. I blamed him. I blamed my brother. And I was like, there was a moment where I was just pointing the finger at everybody. I was like, wait a second. I haven't even mm. blamed myself for anything. Right, right. And I said, I can't change anything about anyone else, but I can change something about me. What is something that I can do different? And I just started asking myself different questions. There you go. While I was crying because I didn't know I took personal responsibility probably for the first time in my life. Mm. People love to blame other people for stuff they know deep down inside they didn't step up to the plate plate to. Right. Yeah, I love blaming my baby mama, my daughter's mother, who's almost my daughter who's almost 21 years old. I love blaming her mom for the reason why I wasn't in Kylie's life, because whatever she did and whatever she said is what she said. But what I did about it was crumble in my shame, mm. crumble in my guilt, and I didn't call her back, even when my daughter would say, Don't call me ever again. The only one who stopped me from still showing up, from still pursuing, regardless of what was said, was me. And I never took responsibility. Why do I have a relationship with her now? This tattoo that's on my arm says 100 slash zero. Take 100% responsibility for everything that you do with zero excuses for why you can't be or do your absolute best on every occasion with everyone you come in contact with. And I lead with that philosophy. When I decided that taking personal initiative and personal responsibility was going to be my MO, mm. I then took all of my power back that I gave to, it's because I'm black. No, it's because I was lazy and procrastinating. I made excuses. I, uh, I, I self-medicated with food, mm. with sex. Mm. I, nobody told me to do all that. It was me running away from myself and then blaming my skin color, blaming the president. Pe president has absolutely zero. I don't care who it is, whether it's Trump, whether it's Obama, none of them had anything to do with me not doing what I said I was going to do for my life. So when I became the president of the United States of me and, and governed my own life, yeah. people go crazy. They're like, this is my president. He's taking away my freedom. Okay, nobody take anything away from you that you don't let. I dare you to put a flag out in front of your yard and say, me, 2024. Mm. <laughs> and put just as much research in understanding your life and your history as you do someone you don't even know that you've given power to determine the outcome of your life. When I took my power back, I start researching me and learning why I had these insecurities, my childhood traumas, certain people outwardly expressed triggers inwardly. Let me find out what happened when my parents separated and I felt abandoned and I took on that burden. Let me find out why I never had men in my life and 
because every man represented the, the part of my dad and my brother that I didn't like. Mm. Let me find out when I was molested by a family member and then all of a sudden I have sexual intimacy e issues. People always say, leave the past in the past. What if you didn't get the lesson mm. because your future will become a recreation of your past? And I said enough. Now I'm going to do something about my life. I'm going to learn about my life and I will not blame anyone for the outcome of my life. And I'm going to take full responsibility so that when I get the result, I'm going to take full responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> I love that. I want to hold on this right now because everything you said is so impactful. It also resonates for me. There's so much that resonates. That's why I've been so excited <laughs> to speak to you. I didn't do the extremes that you did, but in terms of identity, in terms of self-blame, or not self-blame, <laughs> blaming others, and having all the outside excuses, all of the outside influences, you had to get to your breaking point. I think the beauty of this podcast, the beauty of you, Garen, is sharing for me in hopes that others don't have to get to that lowest point in their life. I mean, it sounds like you've hit that lowest point in your life multiple times because you said you tried multiple times to take your life yep. and multiple times where you said, is it worth it? Why is it even worth living? So again, I want to appreciate your openness and vulnerability. I know you said you're an open book and you will tell all the things, <laughs> but it still takes, it still takes a lot and it still takes a journey and a level of experience and self understanding and governance, as yeah. you were saying, to get to that yeah. point to so freely do so. So I appreciate so you. Something really, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Something I, I really wanted to t speak into that you're just talking about. Yeah. There was a time where I showed people what I know they wanted to see, but in see the inside, it was so fake to my authentic nature. And that's when I was actually living in Hollywood. They're like, dang, man, I'm trying to be like you. I'm like, man, I don't even want to be like you. <laughs> right. And there was a moment where I would tell people this story. Oh, I'm a personal trainer and I'm a singer and I had this deal. And I was like, man, I feel so fake. And then mm. Rihanna's song came on the radio. They're out here living a lie. They're out here living a lie. And I couldn't get the song out of my head. So every time I would speak, I would just hear her song say, we out here living a lie. Out here, and I'm like, man, it's like I swallowed poison. Mm. And every time I speak that lie, I'm just sharing poison with people. Mm. And I no longer wanted to do that. I was like, what would life look like if I was authentically me? And I shared really, really where I'm at, what's going on. That's when I was living in my car. And I was like, you think you know me? You have no idea. And all of this is on social media. And I, because I documented every day from when I was living, wow. sleeping in an abandoned building and people are like looking at it, they're like, oh my God, I'm trying to be like you. And I would be flexing when I go to the clubs or flexing to get a different girl and things like that. But man, I got tired of all of that. I was like, if you don't like me for me, you were never meant to be in my life. Because mm. here's the thing, I was pretending, but if you don't want to be my friend while pretending, you weren't even invested in the real person. So I might as well be my authentic self. So at least you have a fair chance to know if you're really into me or not. So I shared one day on social media, you have no idea. I'm sleeping in my car. I'm sleeping on bubble wrap. 
I have songs that are on the radio right now. I have songs that I wrote for pop artists, The Wanted, in the UK that were placed on their albums three, three years later. So I had no money coming in and I just shared everything. And this is when I knew what my mission was. Hmm. First message I got on Gmail, I put the gun down when you shared your testimony. Thank you for showing me what true strength looks like. How did you do that? And it was so funny because being in Hollywood, people were like, I just feel like you're hiding something. I just feel like you're hiding something. Is he gay or is he straight? Or it's just, there's something that's just not quite right. And what wasn't right is I wasn't living in my own authentic nature. Mm. All through music, you never got the real, nobody ever got the real meat, nobody. So it wasn't until that moment I said, you know what? You know me as Steph Jones. But you know why I created Steph Jones? To run away from my past because I hated the name Garen because nobody had it. My middle name is Stefan. So I was like, I'm going to move to Los Angeles and I'm going to start over. And the moment I wrote a letter from my big self to my little self, and I just apologized for abandoning that little kid inside of me. Mm. And then when I was done with that letter, I switched to my non-dominant hand, which activates a different part of your brain. And I wrote a letter from little Garen to big Steph. All of this suppressed emotion, stuck energy from childhood came out that I didn't even know was there. I was crying, writing. And as soon as I was done, I said, you know what? My name is Garen Stefan Jones. And nobody in LA knew me as Garen. They knew me as Steph. But all the people in Texas knew me as Garen. I said, my name is Garen Jones. Let me introduce you to myself. You have no idea. You know that I'm this. You know that I'm dating this celebrity. You know that I'm on this. You know that I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. What you don't know right now, I'm living in my car. I've cheated on every girlfriend I've ever had. I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. If you don't like me, you were never meant to be my friend. And I never felt more free in my life. Mm. Fifth message I received. I didn't drive my car off a bridge after I read your testimony. Thank you for the work that you do. And I was like, I know why I'm put on this earth. And that's to represent the voice of the voiceless because people don't listen. They listen to who they can relate to. Yeah. That's what set me on the path of self-discovery because the more and more I learn about myself, I vulnerably share it. And then all of a sudden I get the deepest, darkest stories that I can hold space and capacity for because of what I've had to overcome in my life. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think from that, let's now talk to this beautiful work that you are doing. I think that's a perfect transition of the artistry that that you were in or thought you were going to be in to the artistry you're in now with artist power and the artist power within that you have been speaking more to recently. Can you talk about that? I want to understand from you. I don't don't want to put words out there. So I've created a lot in my life, a lot that has impacted millions of people. And there was just this sense of energy. I didn't know how to tap into it. I just know that it would be there when I would do certain things. Hmm. And one day I was, in a, I was in a deep meditation and I said, what am I here for? And this was only a couple months ago. Wow. What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? Why do I attract a certain kind of people? How can I generate this? I'd be on stage. I've traveled 72 countries all over the world, spoken on stages of 55,000 plus people down to doing one-on-ones with some of the top business executives in the world. I said, what am I here to do? And they said, Garen, I want you to look back at all of the things that you have easily been able to do that you've never been taught. 
And I thought, I was like, man, okay. So I was in modeling for 17 years. When I retired from modeling, I started teaching models, guys and girls, how to walk runway. But it was ultimately how to embody themselves to be confident and fully expressed. And I'm like, okay, there's one. And then they hired me at Wilhelmina to work with the new faces, with the 14 and 15-year-old models to be comfortable on camera and speak with grace and resilience. And I was like, nobody taught me. I just know how to do it. Then as somebody who is a ex-special needs child with a learning disability and speaking impediment in middle school and high school, I'm a global speaker. So I created a product called Speakers Bootcamp where I teach people all over the world how to speak and be your authentic self when you're on stage, when you're on camera, when you're on a panel, when you're in the bedroom, because all of Mm. that speaks into the confidence and aliveness that's living inside of your body. And if you don't have that, then there is no deep sexual intimacy. Right. Right. So I looked at all the things that I've never been taught They'll be like, Garen, you'll be at a party with like 500 people and you'll tell people, hey, I'm a transformation coach and da da da, and I got a book out. Then all of a sudden, you'll go and grab a tribal drum and then you'll just feel this calling and start drumming and then start singing. Next thing you know, there's 300 people that are singing and dancing. Garen, you activate people through the medium of sound, dance, energy, drumming. That's the same thing that your ancestors did. Mm. You have been chosen Mm. to be the face of your ancestors to carry on the infinite wisdom that they hold. 400,000 people had to die just for you and I to sit here. You don't think they're not living inside of you? Mm. So all of this was coming inside of my meditation. Wow. And I said, Garen, What you have, your gift, is you have the ability to tap into that little kid inside of you, the kid who is fearless, the kid who has endless amounts of creativity, drive, passion, and and just like, well, just get up, bounce back up when he's hurt. Like you have the ability and every time you tap into that power, you teach, uh, you give other people permission slips Hmm. to do the same thing. This is why when you dance, they dance. When you run, they run. You were in prison. Nobody was running. They were stabbing, drug deals, fights. 30 days when you started running, 62 inmates were running with you. Wow. Garen, you were tapped into the little kid power. Mm. That's an artist. Mm. So Mm. what you thought you were leaving in music never left you. You just got to claim the artist, the little kid inside of you. And I said, oh my God, that's the artist's power. And they said, Garen, This was in my meditation. Create something called Awaken the Artist Within, where you can teach people how to tap into that power and give them systems and tools to be able to sustain it so that they're more focused, they're more resilient, they build grit for life, they can navigate life, they gain clarity, and they're embodied in their fullest expression Hmm. without trying to overcompensate to hide from what they're not willing to look at, look at, which is why they crash and burn and get overwhelmed and all this other stuff, yeah. because they're being driven by a power that is inauthentic to their nature. Garen, your mission is to restore nature in humanity and anything that is connected to nature benefits from nature's resources. And they say little kids are the closest to God. Yeah. So when you yeah. teach people how to tap into that little kid, you activate co-creation 
and that's where the power amplifies. That is artist power, and that is awakening the artist within. These anecdotes you've mentioned about dancing and 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 running and have people running with you and dancing with you. You started posting these dance videos of effectively ecstatic dancing. Is is what you're doing? You are just in your flow state dancing. Yeah. And every time, and it's giving me chills when I watch it because I saw one, there was one in particular, I can't remember which one, and it hit and, and you were like, just stop for five minutes, just stop for five minutes what you're doing and go put a song on you like and just get into it. And I did. I was, you know, I was in a little funk. So this hit at the right time and and I put on my jam. I'm not going to say what my jam is, but I put on my jam and I just went for it. And it's powerful. These seemingly simple things, these seemingly childish things that you're alluding to, you know, are, oh, that's ridiculous. That's, oh, and and you feel uncomfortable and you, but there's a reason for that discomfort because you've, you've either been rewired by society and what the environmental norms are supposed to be. And, or you've also lost touch of that inner child, that pureness, that closeness to God, that ecstasy. That's why they call it ecstatic dance, that ecstasy that one can feel and should be feeling in these, you know, again, going to keep throwing up air quotes, trivial things because the societal norms make it seem silly. And these societal norms make it appear that you're crazy for doing these things, but it brings ecstasy and joy. And it brings back just that purity that all of us are looking for ultimately, because ultimately that- And we had at one time. And we did, and we do, and we still do. It's just, we have to tap in and you have to- Remember, you got to remember yourself. Yes, there you go. There you go. That's perfectly put. You have to remember yourself. I teach people how to remember themselves. I Mm. teach people how to remember what their soul already knows. So ultimately- a breakthrough is not breaking through. You're ultimately breaking back into who you already are. I'm just here to remind you that you've held the keys mm. and life doesn't have to be as hard, especially when you're utilizing the capacity of your heart, which the EKGs of the heart is one of the most powerful frequency in the, in, in the world. Right. Why not use it? Right. <laughs> and for me, it doesn't have to be dance, but that's the portal that opens up. I ran at five o'clock this morning. When I run, it does the same thing inside of my body as when I dance. Right. So it's whatever your child, hmm. the, the kid in you, on fire, whatever brought you the most joy. And to quickly go into this story, I'm sure one of y'all, y'all like, yo, you had a 12-year sentence. How did you get out in two and a half years? Did you snitch? <laughs> nope. Here's what happened. Connecting the dots, looking backwards. You know how there's a, a woman who's pregnant. And then the baby becomes too big for the womb. And then what once grew inside the womb, then is produced on the outside called birth. Mm -hmm. So imagine prison was a womb. There was a moment where I remembered, this is why I'm in prison. Because while I was quote unquote free, I used to say, I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be. And I feel like I'm in prison inside of my own body to the point where I manifested being so far away in Europe, Mm. inside of a prison. Mm. And I'm watching Shawshank Redemption because we're allowed to watch movies once a month. And it's a movie based out of prison. Right. And the lead actor, Tim Robbins, goes, they can take anything they want away from me, but they can't take away my mind. And how I interpreted that, I'm like, 
I know why I'm here. I put myself here because I've been thinking I was in prison all these years. So if I can think myself in captivation, well, then I can think myself free. And in that case, I'm a free person. So follow me, y'all. While I was on <laughs> lockdown, I realized that nothing was taken away from me. Mm. Because the only thing that was in hindsight taken away from me were things that I gave all of my power away to. And then when I was a, myself for long enough, I realized, oh, I realized I gave all my power away. And now all my power is coming back to the source at which all of these other things that were attachments started, which was me. I was reminded me of me. And so in prison, in losing my freedom, I discovered my freedom because I remembered, I said, what would a free person do? Everything that he used to love to do as a little kid. Mm. And I remembered I loved doing art. So I started doing art and doing portraits of people's family members. And I remembered that I loved to sing. And every time I sing, the inmate goes, man, every time you sing, it makes me feel free. So I just kept singing because I was already felt free internally in my nervous system. I was doing art. I was motivating people. I wanted to be a superhero my whole life. And guess what? That little voice that said, running, running, running. I'm in there for 6.2 kilos of heroin. Finally, that was the final straw. I started running because that is my happy place. I don't run for the workout. I run for the discipline and because it makes me feel free inside. And then all of a sudden, they call me into the office when I felt free. Mm. Feeling is the secret. Mm. When I embodied all the characteristics of the natural state of joy, love, and happiness inside of me, that's when they call me into the office. And that's when they said, we retested the drugs. What? <laughs> You mean that you tested them three times and then when I feel free magically, two and a half years later, you retested the drugs? We retested the drugs. 90% was fake. And for the amount that was real, you've already done the time. You're free to go home. <laughs> That's the power of artist power tapped in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We are going to have a follow-up conversation because what you're doing is so powerful the words that you have brought and resonated within this conversation is so powerful and we need more of it. I need more of it, clearly. Garen, uh, you are a beautiful soul. And again, I appreciate you, brother. Hands going back on the heart. I am receiving all that you provided today. I hope everybody listening and watching can and will and should do the same in the meantime, in between time, you can follow this brother, Garen at Garen dot, let me spell Garen, G-A-R-R-A-I-N dot Jones on Instagram. You're also on Twitter. Yes, Garen Jones on Twitter. And then my website is GarenJones.com. There it goes. And, and my book, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life, it's in Spanish and English on Amazon. Beautiful. Beautiful. Please check that out. Please check that out. And I, I, I hope everyone's picked up just a fraction of what I picked up today. And if you do and you love what I received 
and, and received what Garen put down today. Give those five stars, leave a review, make sure to tell another brother, king or queen about this conversation so we can keep conversations like this going so we can bring brother Garen back for a part two and we can keep the flow going. Let's go. And if there's someone else you want to hear, hit me up, Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Until next week, fam, peace, love, and change your mindset, change your life. Let's go.